Parents need to know, are your children over-vaccinated? For many parents, there is something deeply satisfying about taking a baby, especially a firstborn, to the doctor. After all, so-called well-baby visits give parents the opportunity to talk to an expert about a child's development, ask burning questions about when the baby will be able to sit up without assistance and what to do about teething, find out the baby's height and weight, as well as get the baby life-saving vaccines. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, childhood vaccinations prevent at least 4 million deaths worldwide every year. This is why the CDC recommends such a large number of vaccines for American children, starting with a vaccine against hepatitis B, a sexually transmitted disease that is recommended for all newborns during the first hours of life. Current Childhood Vaccine Guidelines Every year the nation's top disease experts come together to decide what vaccines should be included on the CDC's recommended child and adolescent immunization schedule for young people ages 18 years old and younger. This schedule is recommended by the CDC and then mandated by each state as a requirement for children to attend school. It is approved by the CDC, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Food and Drug Administration, and other health organizations. Parents are told that the current recommendations are based on a review of the most recent scientific information available for each vaccine. Currently, the following 14 vaccinations are recommended for children from birth through 18 years of age. Hepatitis B, 3 doses. Rotavirus, 3 to 4 doses. DTAP, 5 doses then another dose of TAP at age 11. HIV, 3 to 4 doses. PCV, 4 doses. Polio, 4 doses. COVID-19, number of doses depends on the child's age and type of vaccine given. Flu, 1 to 2 doses every year. MMR, 2 doses. Chickenpox, 2 doses. Hepatitis A, 2 doses. HPV, 2 to 3 doses. Men ACWY, 1 to 2 doses. Men B, 2 to 3 doses. Although school administrators tell parents that vaccines are mandatory for school inclusion, different states require different vaccines for children to attend school and every state in the United States allows for medical exemptions. In addition, most states allow for religious exemptions and some states also allow for philosophical exemptions. Too much of a good thing. Since the late 1980s, the CDC has continued to add vaccines to the recommended schedule without taking any vaccines off the schedule. The number of vaccinations currently recommended has more than quadrupled since the 1970s. At the same time, children's health in the United States has seen a marked decline. While these trends may or may not be related, many parents have started to question whether their children really need this many vaccinations this early in their lives in order to stay safe and healthy. Many parents have started to wonder, could over-vaccination be contributing to some of the health problems they are seeing in their children? These parents, and the thousands of medical doctors and research scientists who now openly support them, point out that while vaccines undergo safety testing on a vaccine-by-vaccine basis, childhood vaccines are not tested in combination with other vaccines before they're approved. 
I think it's legitimate for parents to have questions and concerns, said Colin Lin, a family physician based in Redding, California. It's definitely possible that we're at a tipping point where we're giving too many vaccines. Sometimes I wonder if in the future we'll look back at the 2000s and say, what were we thinking? Why were we giving so many vaccines? In addition to concerns about the cumulative effect of giving so many vaccines to such young children, experts are also questioning whether certain vaccine ingredients including aluminum and polysorbate 80 are safe. At the same time, chronic disease in the United States is on the rise. So much so that nearly half the population now suffers from a chronic illness. And these conditions account for 86% of our current health care costs. Autoimmune disease. Autoimmune conditions are conditions where the body turns on itself, producing antibodies that attack its own body tissues. Type 1 juvenile diabetes, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, scleroderma, Raynaud syndrome, and lupus are all autoimmune diseases. Recent research suggests that asthma, which now affects more than 10% of young people aged 20 to 24, is also an autoimmune condition. Overvaccination may be a primary cause of autoimmune problems, including diabetes in both children and adults. In 2022, a team of nine researchers in Japan reported that a 51-year-old woman developed acute-onset type 1 diabetes six weeks after receiving just one dose of an mRNA vaccine. Chinese scientists report a similar case. In Turkey, clinicians have also seen four cases of type 1 diabetes in patients directly following mRNA-based SARS-CoV-2 vaccines. A medical doctor investigates. John Bartholo Klassen, whose ND is from the University of Maryland, began studying autoimmune disorders in the 1990s. In 1996, Klassen published a paper in the journal Autoimmunity reporting the results of experiments on immune modulation in rodents. He looked at the effects of administering vaccines in doses intended to mimic those given to human children. He found that vaccines given at birth or within the first two weeks of life seemed to offer some protection against developing diabetes, whereas vaccines given after two months of life did the opposite they increased the risk of diabetes compared with control mice and rats. Animal studies have demonstrated the timing and content of human vaccines can affect the development of diabetes, Klassen wrote. Clinical trials of new human vaccines are not designed and generally not powered to detect an effect of immunization on the development of IDDM. These animal toxicology studies indicate that the effect of vaccines on human insulin-dependent diabetes needs to be examined. Immunization practices, Klassen suggested, may be putting some children at higher risk for diabetes. Predisposing children to diabetes? Klassen's brother, David C. Klassen, is an infectious disease specialist at the University of Utah School of Medicine in Salt Lake City. The Klassen brothers decided to look for data that could indicate whether vaccine practices predisposed someone to or protected them against developing type 1 diabetes. In 1997 they published their results in the journal Infectious Diseases in Clinical Practice. They found statistically significant correlations between vaccination changes and subsequent rates of diabetes. 
The Klassen suggested that vaccination at birth may be protective by affecting the immune system in such a way that the body was better able to combat Coxsackie virus infections, which had been previously thought to account for about 27% of diabetes cases. However, they also found that in Finland, on three separate times, vaccine increases were followed by increases in type 1 diabetes. In Christchurch, New Zealand, incidents of diabetes also rose sharply after the introduction of hepatitis B vaccination. These studies suggest that the timing of pediatric immunizations may alter the development of IDDM in humans, the Klassens concluded. The results also indicated that previous vaccine trials are flawed because they are not designed to detect associations between vaccination and autoimmune diseases. High-quality scientific evidence. In 1999, the Klassens wrote a letter to the editor about another study they did. We compared a group that received four doses of the vaccine, a group that received one dose, and a group that was not vaccinated, they wrote. The cumulative incidence of diabetes per 100,000 in the three groups receiving four, one, and no doses of the vaccine was 261, 237, and 207 at age 7 and 398, 376, and 340 at age 10 respectively. In other words, there were 58 more cases of type 1 juvenile diabetes in children who had received four doses of the HIV vaccine than those who had not received the vaccine at all. There were 22 more cases of diabetes in those who had received four doses than those who had received only one dose. Such data suggests a dose-response relationship, which in turn suggests causation. Timing of diabetes onset consistent with biological mechanism. The Klassen's 2002 study showed that vaccine-induced type 1 diabetes typically takes three to four years to develop. Then the brothers decided to look for clusters of diabetes cases occurring after the introduction of other vaccines. In 2003, they published a review article entitled Clustering of Cases of Type 1 Diabetes Mellitus Occurring 2 to 4 Years After Vaccination is Consistent with Clustering After Infections and Progression to Type 1 Diabetes Mellitus in Autoantibody-Positive Individuals. They found that clusters occurred 2 to 4 years after vaccination with MMR pertussis and BCG vaccines. They also found declines in the incidence of diabetes following the discontinuation of pertussis and BCG vaccines, a particularly noteworthy finding as diabetes incidence is generally increasing all over the world. The two to four year lag time is consistent with studies demonstrating that it takes at least two years for antipancreatic antibodies to destroy enough islet cells in the pancreas to cause diabetes. Studies have also demonstrated that autoimmune disease onset often occurs approximately three years after multiple autoantibodies can be detected in the blood. Addressing the Bradford Hill Criteria for Determining Causation Causation is notoriously difficult to prove in medical science. As we've written about before, Sir Austin Bradford Hill of the University of London tackled this problem and laid out nine viewpoints to consider in 1965 strength of association, consistency, specificity, temporality, biological gradient, plausibility, coherence, experiment, and analogy. Klassen's research touches on various Bradford Hill viewpoints. 
though the associations he found between each individual vaccine and the development of type 1 diabetes were not particularly strong, Klassen demonstrated consistency, specificity, temporality, a dose-response relationship, biological plausibility, and coherence. In addition, he has confirmed his statistical calculations with prospective animal and human studies. In short, Klassen soberly and methodically set out to explore causation from every angle. His work demonstrates that the more we vaccinate our children, at least after the age of two months, the more likely they are to develop type 1 diabetes. More evidence linking juvenile diabetes to vaccines. In a 2008 paper, Bart Klassen analyzed Danish data from children born January 1, 1990, to December 31, 2000. He again found statistically significant increases in diabetes risk for vaccination with HIV, DTP, whole cell pertussis, MMR, and oral polio vaccines. In reviewing Klassen's research, as well as hundreds of other vaccine studies, independent researcher Neil Z. Miller, author of the 2016 book Miller's Review of Critical Vaccine Studies, 400 important scientific papers summarized for parents and researchers, also found confirmation of a causal link between over-vaccination and diabetes. The scientific papers provide strong evidence that childhood vaccines significantly increase the risk of developing type 1 diabetes, Miller wrote, pointing in particular to the HIV vaccine, but also adding, other papers show an increased risk of developing type 1 diabetes after hepatitis B, MMR and pertussis vaccines. Epidemics of type 2 diabetes, obesity and metabolic syndrome have also been linked to vaccines. However, instead of re-evaluating current immunization practices, the conventional medical community either ignores the science done by medical researchers like Klassen and Miller or paints them as wild-eyed anti-vaccine extremists. Scientists who prove that popular and profitable pharmaceutical products can cause harm risk losing their livelihood as well as their standing in the scientific community. But Lin, who has a sign on the wall of his office that reads, in science all questions are valid and all answers are tentative, said that he feels it is important for parents to ask questions, especially if their children are having chronic health problems, like eczema, allergies, or juvenile diabetes. In fact, Lynn encourages parents to become medical sleuths and supports them in taking the approach to vaccinating that they feel most comfortable with. I encourage my parents to ask questions and investigate, Lynn said. Indeed, if our current vaccination program is partly or fully responsible for the rising incidence of type 1 juvenile diabetes and other chronic diseases, parents need to know.